There's a place here at the table Your coats go by the door You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor I hope you wore elastic Cause your waistband's gonna get tight Take time's done, we're having a night Hi guys, I'm Sophie And I'm Ari, this is Having a Night And today we have a super special guest, Carl Hess He's a hysterical comedian And he has a podcast called Yelling About Pate, which I feel like is probably what Ari and I would have named our podcast if we had known. Just genius. And it's Carl and his friend who's an executive chef. Just like our people. Food, comedy, good people. Yeah. So if you want to listen to Ari and I discover a third soulmate. Stay tuned. Thanks, guys. Our new friend, Carl Hess. Oh, my God. So good to be here, guys. Uh, he's already our favorite because he brought us wine. I, you know, it's a dinner party vibe. It's like, who shows up to a dinner party without wine? Yeah. It's um, so true. Well, an asshole. Yeah, an asshole. Ooh. That's the exact right answer. I just had Someone to who's say. not getting invited to the fucking next dinner party. Yeah. That's who. Exactly. It's a test. What did you bring? Well, we had a dinner party last night. A lot of people bring nothing. What? Which is not. Is that real? Yeah. But I feel like almost everybody who brought something brought tequila, which was awesome. Wait, wait. You had a dinner party last night. These are all your friends. Yeah. A-listers. Your friends are showing up empty-handed to your house? What kind of friends do you have? This is crazy. Did, so I weirdly actually don't hold it against people if they don't bring something. That's in, I don't know. Really? Uh, is it like people who don't know you? Like how close are these friends? Are we, are we talking about like, oh, 10 of my closest friends in the world are coming over to my house? Most are pretty close. If I'm going to like my yeah. best friend's house and we're just having dinner, maybe it's like, he's yeah, my best friend. I'm going to bring him up. But if I'm going to like a dinner party, it's like you yeah. don't show up empty-handed. I think I agree. Well, I sometimes, I have, I have shown up places empty-handed. There I'll say it. Okay, maybe myself. it's situational, circumstantial, <laughs> uh, you know. I'm an empty hander. Well, what about when people are like, please don't bring anything. Like, we don't want any gifts. Don't bring okay. any wine. It's just then, then, yeah, if they explicitly say don't bring anything, then I'm like, fine. Yeah, That's when no I'm like, problem. is it a trick? Is it a trap? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, right. I'm I take people at their word. Yeah. Or I'll bring a bottle of wine. I'm like, this is for me. Because <laughs> yeah. I actually, I think there is an etiquette. It's like, and I've read, like, people asking about this etiquette. Like, if you bring a bottle of wine. That's, like, for the party. So it's, like, a gift for the host. Yes. But also, if you want to drink a bottle immediately, you should bring another bottle that you just then immediately crack open and start drinking. (laughs) So you can do whatever you want with the bottle I brought. This one's for me, and I'm popping it right now because this is the one I want to drink. I love that. A lot of social anxiety. But there is so much. I do feel like there are a lot of sort of unspoken rules around wine etiquette. Sure. Right, of like, okay, if you bring something, you cannot expect that person to then open it because they might right. Maybe they want to save it, something else. and that's their pri- that's their prerogative because exactly. it's now their wine. But I love that then you show up and you're like, yeah, but cool, I'm drinking this one. Oh yeah, I'm always <laughs> bringing like the personal bottle, the shit that I want to drink because they might have bad wine at the party. I don't. Oh, I'm not trying I, to have a bad time. I no. could not agree more. Will you tell us about this wine? Yeah, please? this is uh, this is a uh, melon. 2016 from France. This is this uh, label La Boutanche. They do they work with different winemakers, and each wine they do a caricature of the winemaker as an animal on the front. Uh, this one, I believe, that's uh, that might be Eric Texier or some French guy. Wow, uh, he's a he's a French bulldog on the front. Love Very cute. Chowing down a bottle of wine. Little... But yeah, La Boutanche is actually really affordable. It's like 22 bucks. They make a, uh, you know the producer they, they produce a bunch of different wines with different winemakers. This one's Malone. It's delicious. Yeah, 22 bucks. So cheers. Good. Thanks for bringing it. Super oh my affordable. God. Yeah, cheers. cheers. So fabulous to meet you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Carl, you're like into natural. I'm wines. super into natural wine. Here's my question about natural wine. Ooh. I sometimes feel like a lot of natural wines taste exactly the same. I think there is. 
especially if people like go to a restaurant and they're like, oh, this one's natural. There's a funkiness uh, that can be associated with a lot of natural wines. But I also think that like, you know, natural wine is kind of an umbrella term. It doesn't really have a specific definition. Yeah. So like within that world, there's so much different stuff from the crazy skin contact funky, to yeah. super clean to wines that you wouldn't even know were natural just by their taste profile because they taste like quote unquote wine, you right. know. Right. So I think the pleasure for me has just been learning by drinking, which is what I love to do. I love to learn. I love to drink. So it's like <laughs> perfect for me to like be digging into this as kind of someone new to natural wine in the last couple of years. Like I think a lot of people are. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I th- I think within the umbrella and spectrum of natural wine, there's something for everybody. Yeah. And that's not to say that there's that no true. good conventional wines, but like uh, like learning about natural wine, I'm like, this is this is where I want to be. <laughs> this is where I want to be in the wine world right now. Like I've had more exciting wines uh like in the natural context than i ever have before i've never been refreshed by a red wine before i started drinking natural well wine. true all of a sudden you're like uh, having like a natural gamay and you're like Damn, yeah i mean i so always cool. loved wine like my i grew up my dad drank wine he drinks like a moderately priced rioja you get mm-hmm. you get andy hess an 11 dollar bottle <laughs> of rioja <laughs> and he is a happy man and there's nothing wrong with that you know they're solid wines camp campo viejo that's a solid ass 12 dollar rioja and then, like, I would drink – I went to uh, Buenos Aires because my little brother lived there. I was like, oh, Malbec's great. It's, like, peppery and, you know, but, like, Full. a Malbec's kind of heavy. It's, like, the first time I had, like, a chilled Pinot Donnie or, like, Gamay, I was like, this is a red wine that's light and refreshing yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. super lively. Yeah. And I was hooked. I, I think there's this wine. It's a Pinot Donnie. It was, like, the first time – it was like that one sip where you're like, oh, shit, like Isn't what that- mind-blowing wine. It's almost like savory, but it's like yes. the energy and the, like the liveliness. I was like, I, I just bl- mind-blown. Yeah. And I came to it in a cool way because my friend Josh Weinstein, who ran a great comedy show in L.A. for like 10 years, the Josh and Josh show, he ran it with another Josh. He is one of the guys who opened the, the first and best natural wine bar in L.A., in my neighborhood. Wait, is it? Bar Bandini. And I was like, you know, I like drinking. I like wine. I was more of like a liquor guy. You know, I was like yeah. really into cocktails because it was like, oh, cocktail movement. Yeah, craft cocktails. is great. Yeah, I love cocktails. So, <laughs> but yeah, I started drinking at Bandini and started like, you know, coming to grips with these wines and being like, this is crazy. This yeah. is, I love this. So you can get it chilled or not chilled. But like having like that light bodied red coming right out of the fridge, super refreshing. That was like a total game changer. Oh, I love. I think a chilled red is like the greatest drink of summer, especially so in LA. Good. It's like you know, it's like war- pretty round. much warm all the time. It's like I want to drink cold, refreshing wine. Have you been to Ruffian here? I haven't. Oh, it's I've heard someone so mention it. Is that great. the one we go to in the East Village? Yes. Okay, yeah, it's on oh the list. God. Yeah, I've I've hit some good spots so far. Uh, a place that I was really keen to check out was Servos. I went to Hearts last night, which is their yeah, sister restaurant hood, yeah. in Brooklyn. Yeah. Really enjoyed Hearts as well. Yeah, um, and then I heard their fly. Their other the restaurant's great too. Best. I walk by there. Uh, I love a place that's just like, hey, we have natural wine and rotisserie chicken. And that's pretty much it. Like, it's my dream. Respect it. I love fewer choices. Yes. Yes. And rotisserie chicken. There's like places in LA to get it, but like. I want there to be like a banger rotisserie chicken spot that opens, and there hasn't really. There is actually a place in Highland Park called Roti. It's very good. Shout but out to also, I will say that LA has all of those Middle um, Eastern ones. Zanko. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're set those. for chicken. I mean, yeah. you can get great chicken all fucking day. Oh, and but good fried chicken. I love the idea of just like rotisserie chicken as a concept. 
Yes. Yeah. Just like, oh, well, what do we have? Rotisserie chicken. Because everyone so loves fried chicken. Fried chicken's like fried chicken sandwiches, fried chicken this, hot chicken. It's but like see, sometimes, look, we all love fried chicken. I love fried chicken. But sometimes rotisserie chicken could be better. It's always oh, yeah. better. I, always better? my words, I think I'm not a fried chicken person. Wow. I love fried chicken, but I love it like if I'm in the mood to kind of feel like shit after. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> sure, I know, you know that. Where you're like, yeah, yeah, like, I know no, that. No, good fried chicken, you should feel enlivened. You should feel. When's the last? What's a heavy dish? But it's also like you don't have a drum stick of fried chicken. It's like you have a drumstick and a thigh sure. and then find some other well, dark meat. Well, I'll say like, this. I was just in Atlanta and I ate so much fried chicken and I have to give a shout out to a homegrown restaurant in Atlanta. I, li- I literally went there every single day mm. uh, for breakfast. It's the fucking best and it has some of the best fried chicken ever and I, I ate it and I was like, I feel better now. Wow. I feel better. I feel like my life is better. I feel like I'm a better person. I feel like Damn. I understand the world in a more complete way. <laughs> that is, you should like uh, start Giving self help sessions to women, dude. All, all like how my self help sessions will be. We're going good. to Atlanta and going to Homegrown <laughs> because. Uh, Wait, where are you from? I grew up in Philly. Okay, I've lived in LA since Great I was eighteen. Uh, Philly's amazing. I could talk about Philly all day. The thing is, I I don't go there a lot anymore. My my older brother went to medical school there. He lived downtown. You know, I grew up right outside hey, the city older suburbs. Is a doctor. He is. He's married. Sorry, ladies. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I have the uber successful Uh older brother. He's like a cardiologist. And I'm like, I have a food podcast. We know the feeling. I'm going to talk about skin contact wine. Uh, But yeah, Philly rules. But yeah, I I was just like, I hadn't been back to Atlanta in probably four years. And just the food scene there is bonkers. Yeah. And a lot of people, like, I've met, like, moved there from New York. Like, it is blowing up. For sure. Obviously, it's always been, like, a major cultural hub. But, like, right. like the neighborhood I was in, like, from four years ago, difference is crazy. Well, it's Markets also, like, everywhere, restaurants, bars. So much showbiz shit is going yeah, on exactly. there. Yeah, exactly. So I think they're just, it's like, like, Hollywood fucking south. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and great. And good shopping, apparently. I don't know if that's it's of a, interest. It's an but amazing I city. Like if I could scenes. deal with the humidity, I, I could see living there. But the humidity is... It's I can't do that. I'm about to go to Singapore for three. Oh, weeks, you're done. So get I, ready to sweat. Wow. Have you yeah. ever been to Asia? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but I've so never you know. been to Singapore. I've never been to Singapore, but I was in Southeast Asia for like six months, and I was like, I could die at any moment. Yeah. I'm sweating so much that like I was, like I'm a big water guy in general, but like the amount of water you have to drink when you're constantly sweating, you Ooh. would shower and then be like. Oh, I'm sweating one second after that. I was just looking it up. It's 73% humidity, which is like you're walking in soup. Like, I am in a gazpacho. I'm in a hot gazpacho. I'm living in a soup bowl. And I'm also interviewing people for this podcast while I'm there, which I'm super psyched about. Oh, that's amazing. I'm like, so, I'm very... Having a night going worldwide. (laughs) International status. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. This is great. So, obviously, I grew up in Philly. I grew up in a hoagie-based culture. Uh, when I got to LA, I, w- I was like, there's no hoagies out. They're like, what are hoagies? And I'm like, I, I, where do I begin with you people? LA really is not great at sandwiches. But that's the changed. French dip originated that has in LA, changed. But. Yes, the friendship's great. It's an LA classic. But yes, we're in like, in terms of Italian and sandwich, we're in like a peak Italian moment. There's yeah. so much good pizza. There's so much good Italian food in general. Yeah. Uh, You're preaching the choir because Sophie and I, even though we primarily live here, both. Agree that the LA food scene is superior. Well, I mean, you guys were on top for so long. LA is finally getting its moment in the sun after years of, uh, you know, being overlooked. 
And oh, that was a heavy pour. Yeah, I'm that sorry. was a nice pour. <laughs> I like that know. pour. Yeah, hit me. Get hit me there. Um, Great color. Now. But the thing about LA, why its food scene is superior, is that produce. That produce. You that can't beat it. Produce. I mean, you can't beat California. Can't. Like you're so close to so much. I mean, the best produce in the in the country, if not the world. Yeah. You know, the, the wine, all the wine shit popping off. It's yep. great. It's great to be near there. But also, I think because you know, like Chicago, San Francisco, New York, were you know such such bastions, uh, you know, lauded scenes for so long that L.A. kind of had this scrappy dynamicism and young energy of of chefs trying to make their name in a way that wasn't you know like. I feel like New York, you hear chefs say, can be limiting because there's, like, a hierarchical structure of how things are done in New York and how sure. they've always been done. L.A., it's, like, the people and the dining scene is an extension of the people. It's just, like, anything goes. As long as it's good, it's, like, people will get on board. And L.A. really does have that vibe, whereas here, the number of people who I talk to are like, yeah, I love Chinese food. And I'm like, well, should we go to Flushing? And they're like, what? Right. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. It's, like, people are just kind of starting to get into it here, whereas out there, it's, like— Yes, I'll drive to Din Tai Fung. Yes, I'll drive an sure. hour and a half in traffic because I understand yeah, Manhattan that it's still, required of me. Like, has is at the top, and and it's hard to get people to travel. We ha- started this thing last year, which was great, called oh, the Roving Supper Club, and we would send again. out a newsletter. I love it. And just be like, we're going to this restaurant. We've got a table for 12, 20, whatever. That's so cool. Yeah. Like for your listeners? No, no we it was did before it, our podcast. Yeah, yeah. just like oh, for our friends. That. But we actually do have to get into it again. That's yeah, a great way just, to do it. And hey, I, I suffer from the same thing in L.A. Like I have my little neighborhood, Echo Park. I walk. I have my spots. And like, sure, like I'll drive out to San Gabriel Valley go to Szechuan Place, but, like, it's very easy to get in your little comfortable pocket oh, yeah. and yeah. not drive 25—I mean, it's, like, 25 minutes in a car. It's not a lot, but, well, but like, in your head, you're like, I don't want to get in the car. I don't traffic. Yeah, right. I don't, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, sometimes you really have to just get out of your comfort zone. But, like, L.A. makes it so easy because it's, like, eh, you know, it's spread out, but everything's right there. Exactly. It's you know, actually, it's, like, it's half an hour drive. Uh, yeah. What's that? That's nothing. For good food, yeah, it's no- nothing. That's nothing. Because that's the thing with L.A. Like, growing up in Philly, it was, like, everything's, like, Italian. Like, I grew up going to my totally. neighborhood slice place. Yeah. I grew up eating cheesesteaks and, and hoagies and roast pork sandwiches. You get to L.A. and you have to reacclimate yourself. It's, like, the taco is the basic unit of consumption. Yes. It's, like, you're just, like— just a taco truck. It's like if you want, if you're hungry, boom, there's a great taco truck. It's right there. Yeah. yeah. But like, we're in a place now where I can get a great sandwich. I can get a great sandwich in almost every neighborhood. And it's an exciting time to be alive. <laughs> yes. It makes me happy, you know? Sandwiches are like my love. Wait, but let's talk about the lack of good late night options in LA. The city shuts down at 9 30 and you okay. can't find shit. Well, it is, it is true. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be like New York. My fucking New York fantasy. It's not a fantasy. It's just like my, my dream situation is when you're drunk yeah. and it's late and you're like, I want a fucking sandwich. And you walk into a bodega and they make you a great uh, fucking hoagie. The best sandwich. Great yeah. sub. Yeah. And you can't, yeah, you can't get that in L.A. No. There is good late night options, though. Let's not be crazy. You, after the bars close at 2, you can hit the taco truck. And that's oh, the. I've had some very memorable late night. In Koreatown, sure. there's a lot of late night options. True. We have some 24 hour spots. I mean, the pantry downtown's open 24, 365, as is the Pacific Dining Car. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's not that city never sleeps, 24 hours New York culture, but there is spots to go if you know. Nell's is weirdly 24 hours, which, like, listen, if you want a slice of I mean, sure. chocolate cake, sure. hell yeah. I mean, Echo Park has the Bright Spot Diner, which is, you know, was traditionally open late. It's undergone some new ownership, but they're going to reopen for late night. I like that, like, 
going to a, especially as a comedian, like, yeah, it's, it's a very, like, about. comedian thing to be like, you're all at a show, you're all drinking, and then it's, like, midnight or one, and yeah. you're a group of friends, and maybe you've had some drinks, and you're hungry, you go to a deli, and Canners yeah. uh, on Fairfax is open 24 hours. And it still has that feel. Oh, like, Canners I'm- is, Canners, all right. I love Canners. The food, what is it? Canners is a 24-hour Jewish deli, like, classic, like been there Katz's? forever. Really classic Jewish deli. Yeah. Different from Katz's because Katz's has that, like, mean vibe where you right. kind of walk in and they're like, yeah, take it. Well, there, yeah, could, there could be some surliness in Canters. <laughs> they're nice, but, like, sometimes you get the old old woman surly waitress. But also, but it's also like at Canters, you just sit and oh, you it's order. Oh, it's not like you're it's, at the counter. Yeah. Right. They have the counter, but it's also a restaurant. They also have a venue called the Kibitz Room. So... Canners is kind of a classic place. It's open 24 hours, so you all go to Canners at 1.30. You know, you get some, you get some fucking uh, right. pastrami. Yeah. You get some matzo ball soup. There's 10 of you sitting around bullshitting. That's, like, classic yeah. late-night comedy shit. And also classic because that it's literally classic. Like, it's been going on oh, for yeah. decades Oh, yeah. It's been decades. there for So you kind of, time. like, it has that vibe. I'm not a comedian, but, like, it has that vibe when you go in that you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. People yeah. have been doing this for ages. Yeah, in the people. 70s, like, all those guys from the comedy store were going there. Exactly. Like, Leno was sitting over there uh, busting Carlin's balls in 1973. <laughs> Three. I don't know why I just slipped into yeah, that it's like accent. Suddenly he That's the accent. Work. That's my deli accent. You yeah. want to fucking talk about delis? Like, this is how I fucking talk about delis, all right? Is that going to be a problem? A I just guy. hope that's how you walk into base. Oh, hey, Paisa. Hey, give me a fucking godmother over here. I'm fucking starving. So, Carl, I want to talk more about this. Like, after your shows, mm-hmm. what do you like to eat? Does that? Do you have like certain well, go to things? I'll say this: I used to be a big late night eating guy. That okay. was like a big vice. And when I ate like shit in college, it usually involved fast food. Yeah. Or sub. There was a twenty four hour subway Ugh. by oh. uh, where I went to school that I went to so much. I was like friends Wait, with the where guys did you that go worked. To school? I went to USC. Okay. It's so become like increasingly were... embarrassing yes. to admit that you went to USC. But, well, yeah, uh, but it's yes, also I hilarious that you're like, there's good food around USC. Well, the thing is. There is now, but the thing about USC is when I was there, I didn't have a car, oh, and you're in, you're very much in this bubble, and all the shit that's around campus is like fast food and shit. Yeah, there were like cool, like Wait, there was. Where is that campus? It's south of downtown LA. Okay. Um, so if you keep going south, you're in South Central. You keep going north, you're right in downtown. It's right by the Staples Center, which is south right, of downtown. Right. But yeah, when I was there, I was really in the bubble. I ate like Panda Express four times a week. Subway. I love Panda Express. Yeah. Shout out to Y'all Panda are Express. Crazy. How but do you not like Panda Express? I was like I've never a. Been. It's totally like built to be oh, enjoyed. Panda so Express, orange chicken, it's very enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. There's no problem. You don't want to eat it four times a week. Definitely not. But no it's problem. it's super enjoyable. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and shit on Panda Express. Uh-uh. But I also will say. My lifestyle then was just drinking hard and eating garbage food. Kind of was in my twenties. That's, that's what you do. Were you in a fraternity? No, definitely no. not. Uh, well, I thought about, like, no, the USC. You kind of USC. To. The the Greek scene's very big. That was not my vibe at all. We kind of had our independent. I was a theater major. Oh, okay. I was friends with a lot of like uh, artists, musician people, and because the Greek scene's so big, that we all kind of coalesced together and we're like, we you know we lived in a house and Can had parties in our house and we are reading this play tonight. Exactly. I'm going to a poetry. No, we yeah. just had like an independent independent party house yeah. that functioned as like our place. Right. But yeah, I ate like shit. I didn't have a car. I didn't explore LA. I didn't really understand the cultural or food landscape of LA. Like there was like a taco place I went to, but like I didn't have a good taco until a- after college yeah. for sure. Ooh. And then I like went to a place and I was like, 
Oh, oh I've it. been fucking up. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like College. I always loved eating, but I didn't really care about. I mean, it's not that I didn't care about food. I went to Southeast Asia for six months after college, and that was what I, like, really blew my mind. Yeah. Like, culinarily and just flavor-wise. Yes. And then when I came back and, like, got my first apartment in L.A., I, I literally ate Thai food for six more months. Because L.A. has a huge Thai Great town. Thai, amazing. Yeah. So I was just like, I want the flavors that I had over there here, and yes. I could get them easily. And I was yeah. like, this is the best thing ever. Yes. And well, then I was like, I- well, I got to explore L.A. Yeah. But Ari and I were also talking last week about how, like, sometimes— I think, like, dudes kind of come to food yes. late in terms of, like, loving eating, oh, but yeah. not actually I literally—this uh, is terrible to admit. I don't think I prepared myself a meal all through— I don't think I ate a fruit or a vegetable in college if it wasn't, like, on a sandwich. But that's also, like, fuck, dude. How did I it's not like, get you scurvy? Can do that and not How did I like not get obese? scurvy? Oh, well, I, I was 200 <laughs> pounds in college, so wow. I lost 50 pounds after wow. college. Oh, yeah. That Southeast Asia trip did you good. <laughs> I like, no, I gained weight. No, I I lost some weight there. I think just through sweating. <laughs> I wasn't eating like a lot of like rice and and noodles. Yeah, I probably I was two hundred pounds at one point in college. I was probably like one eighty seven ish when I got back from Southeast Asia, and then I got down to like one fifty. Uh, just because I was like, oh, I need to, like, start cooking food and eating vegetables yeah. before I die. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I came to preparing my own meals very late in life, late 20s. I was like, I need to learn how to make myself food. And that's such a liberating thing. Like, because otherwise you're you're giving, like, the control of your own nourishment to someone else. Like, the second you can take agency over that and be like, I am responsible for feeding myself and, that, and I'm going to feed myself – it's a fucking game changer. Yeah. And then you're like, I want to get good at this. I want to get better at this. I, I want to, like, make good food. Right. Well, especially if it's not just a sustenance thing, right? Which, like, clearly the three of us, sustenance is great. But, like, sure. also it's mostly about the enjoyment exactly. of the thing. And the first time you make food for yourself, you're like, well, this is terrible. I need to get way better at this. Like, <laughs> right. I, I want some shit that tastes good. Yeah. Right. I spent, like, 50 minutes yesterday going down a YouTube rabbit hole because what? I didn't know what a piran was. Oh, oh. shit. Well— as you know, my mission in life is to spread Perone awareness. A lot of people don't know. I just got one. Yes. So weird. Hell yeah. I sent yes. this to her yesterday, and she was like, wait, no, I just got this in the mail. Like, That's fantastic. I also own yeah. one now. I'm a proud Perone owner. Uh, if you don't know, a Perone is a traditional drinking vessel from Spain, <laughs> uh, usually associated with the Basque region in northern Spain. Uh, it's a social drinking apparatus. It's basically a wine bong. It's a glass yes, vase it's a wine bong. with a Thank tapered you. spout that you hold aloft and pour into your mouth. And traditionally, it's passed among a group of people. And, it, you know, it's like passing a joint. It's like making drinking a communal experience where you're all passing one drinking vessel. And then you you kind of and compete like, to, like, you know, you raise you your arm. You yeah. go How for full extension. Into your mouth? You know, the expert can get full extension. Yes, also, I came across a novice, intermediate, oh, expert yes. thing, you know. Well, right. the, the expert would... move is to use red wine because there's going to be spillage. Oh, if, yeah. if you're not an expert, don't fuck with red wine. Keep it white or skin contact because a and red wine and a brown. Traditionally, yes, but in the Basque region, uh, cider is is very popular. <laughs> no, it's vodka. Can you imagine? Like, I'm super hot. Well, that's actually funny you mentioned that. Clear in here. I went to a Spanish restaurant in Atlanta called Bar Mercado, very nice establishment, at Crog Street Market, and they offer 
two wine perones on the menu, but also a you know gin and tonics like a national obsession in Spain. It's huge there. Oh, I didn't know. So they that. offer a gin and tonic perone, and I was like, hard alcohol in a perone? That is deadly. Yeah, but it's that like is with, deadly. With I know, but it's scary. It's it's hard carbonated and carbonated, gin coming at your face. Oh my god, in the back of your throat. Yeah. But it's also you're doing it with a group, so it's like I'll fuck with that. Right. Well, this is why like I, I <laughs> kind pressure. of yeah, hate America just a little bit sure. more. We all do because like in Spain, this is a cultural obsession and mm-hmm. it's part of everyday life or adult life and it's like fun and cool. Here, it's like the equivalent of, it's, when we have stuff like that, it's kitschy or it's illegal. Right. You know? Oh, no, it's like, or it's fratty, right? Exactly. It's like, it's like icing. So I don't know. It has that right. kind of ethos. Like Although I actually yeah. found icing like really hysterical. Icing is funny. Just like, I agree. You get but creative. like it's not part like of it. It's not taken stand. seriously. Like if someone was like, hey, I'm going to. You know, invent this thing, and you can pour into your mouth. In like right. I don't know, right. whenever it was invented here, people would be like, "Oh no!" Yeah, yeah. Well, they'd be like, "You're an um, alcoholic. You probably exactly you have right. a problem." Well, yeah. I think that's the Go thing that you really notice when you drink in Europe is their drinking culture is much better and much more advanced. And obviously, the fact that not so taboo. the fact that you're not allowed to legally drink in the United States till 21 is like the dumbest. It's so law. Dumb. You can vote and serve in the military at mm-hmm. 18, but yeah. you, you can't legally drink alcohol. It's really sad. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? And it just does And no nothing. one abides by the law. Right. No. And it and also like, does nothing to actually educate people of course. about it. It's not like, well, yeah. it's just In it's Europe, really if you're 16, law. you're at the dinner table, your yeah. parents give you a little wine, you yeah. learn about it, you yeah. learn about alcohol. Totally. In, in the, you know, the safety of the home. Yes. I, mean, I had my first fake ID when I was 12 years old. That and seems very young. When I looked. <laughs> you're just a child. Child showing up at the bar, like, yeah, that's fine. But isn't that, that checks out? I'm also she like, was. Who the fuck were these bouncers that like? Yeah, were exactly. Like, I mean, they were where'd you grow up? Like, here. Okay, well, it's New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only here. With yeah, that yeah, yeah. Come on in there, kids. Sure. Yeah, get in yeah, there. Exactly. Insane. Europe. Yeah. You go there, and everyone's like in the plaza or the park, just like everyone's having a bottle of wine. It's like, well, right. It's like uh, this is what life should be. It's the thing that Ari and I talk about all the time, which is just conviviality. Yeah, it's like a spirit of com- yeah. Like, it's communal. It's social, and then back it's to the Perone. It's a social exercise. So do you exactly. pour the Perone? Do you pour it only into your own mouth, or yes. do you pour it, pour it into your friend's you, mouth? You have to do it to yourself because you have to like feel the like the uh-huh, you uh-huh. know. It's... And does it go like right into your gullet? Are you like oh my god, reflex? Um, like what's the feeling? No, I feel like well, look, if you can open your throat, God bless you, and yeah. I bet you're very popular. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the, the the stream is very thin. So it looks very impressive when you're holding it aloft and it's streaming in your mouth, but you're not okay. actually take you're taking like a mouthful of liquid like you would, I feel okay. like. Okay. Like a huge big swig, but like yeah, my, my my throat is not open. Maybe I need to learn. Maybe I need to improve my technique directly into my liver. I my throat's just wide open. It's flowing directly right into my bloodstream. I mean, we have to have well, you a have one party. Now. I have one what now. was we the uh, impetus to order? Uh, my boyfriend, who I live with, his good friend is, is living in Spain for a bit, and he, we just moved, and he sent us a housewarming gift, and it was a perron. That's amazing. And my boyfriend didn't know what it was. Yes, and I was like, dude, this is the coolest thing so ever. Yes. Yeah. What are we going to cook at this perone party? Oh, are we going to make I've never made a paella. Uh, I'm obsessed with tin seafood, and it's now becoming cool again. So I mean, New York's, here's the thing. New York has always had great Spanish food, great tapas. In L.A., our main weakness of the most exciting dining city in the country is that there is very little Spanish food and very little tapas. Oh, my God. I went to this incredible restaurant in uh, New Orleans. I think it's called, like, Number 7 also. Mm. There's a Number 7 here, not related. And it was more uh, French 
you feel like you're in Paris, and they just have this that. huge. The first part of the menu is all this amazing imported tin seafood, yes. and like an amazing baguette and butter, and you just like uh, drink a bottle of wine and just. I think uh, that's all how I want to eat. A great best. anchovy on a piece of great bread. Oh, I, you know what I want to say? This time of year, last year, I was in Lisbon, and I went so hard. Oh my god! I was like, oh, a sardine-based culture that drinks wine all Dude, day. Well, I'm in the best place in the here. fucking world. I took myself there for like a week just to do a solo Lisbon trip. blew the fuck up it's, as a destination. I know. Well, yeah, I went like four years, three or four years ago. You were or ahead something. of the curve. Thank y'all. You're, you're a tastemaker. Like right you're an influencer. Hi guys. I'm a tin seafood influencer. Night. <laughs> that's all I want to be. I mean, tin influencer. I'm a tin influencer. That's all I care about. Wow, that's amazing. I, I mean, it was. The food there I really fucking really love this. So and it's also like, oh, I could eat like this every single day. I would start drinking wine bored. at breakfast. I would have yeah. wine before I would have coffee. And it's okay there. Be like, it's Vino Verde. Eh, it's water. Please, it really is like water. Oh my God. I think Vino Verde, a great thing to serve at a party because oh, people yeah. don't get super fucked up super fast. It's It goes with anything, it goes with it's refreshing. Yeah. You bring a chilled bottle of Vino Verde out. Who's, mm. who's mad? Who's mad at that? Who's mad? It's, everyone's happy. What if you're putting together a night? Like, what's a good like one-two punch okay. restaurant and then bar? Near well, there? obviously, downtown has gone from nothing to the hotbed of everything in the last ten years. Yeah, uh, I graduated in '06. There was nothing downtown. You know, 2016, so everything's downtown. Yeah. Obviously, the Arts District, anchored by Bestia, opening in 2013, is the hotbed. You know, all the places open there. David Chang opened Major Domo in Chinatown. So when you're downtown, you're in an epicenter of good food and drinking. And you can also walk. It's like the one place where it feels like a city and you can walk around right, and go to different right. stuff like you would in New York. I live in Echo Park. Super walkable. A lot of great stuff there. Sure. If you want to hit one, two food and then hit some bars, great spot. Obviously, like, you got uh, Los Lee, Silver Lake, Echo Park, downtown. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that whole, you know, eastern uh, sweep there. So all those neighborhoods, I feel like there's Los Feliz is weird because it's been gentrified a long time. And there's a lot of money there, but it doesn't actually have that many good restaurants. Totally. You got Kismet, which is right totally. there, but beyond that, there's a couple spots. All time, a newer spot, which I really like. But I mean, I'm like, you know, uh, I've lived in Echo Park for ten years. I love Echo Park. I'm, yeah. I'm, it's, it's LA's best neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you're downtown or Echo Park or anywhere like that, also Koreatown is. Oh, so fun. there's six hundred over six hundred restaurants in Koreatown. It's a big area. Yeah. And there's like lots of different parts, but like. There's over 600 restaurants. You could, there's so much. Koreatown is like a fucking treasure chest of culinary jams, and also late night eating, boozing. You know, like so you could fun. have you could have multiple nights there and go and never hit the same spot. So yeah, I'd say that. Um, yeah, I don't really like go to Hollywood or like West Hollywood. No, no. There's tons of good stuff over there. Yeah. But like, uh, I like you know I like to stay close. But now obviously Highland Park has become a very yeah. hot neighborhood. It's being rapidly gentrified. Obviously, there's pros and cons to that. But I, I would say the pros is that there's a lot of great restaurants and bars uh, very close together. There's a strip on Fig, Figaro Avenue. Uh, you know, that's just, it's all right there. You know, it's not, it's, yeah. you're not walking a lot. It's all right there. So I would, I'd recommend that. Um, that's great. Yeah, I got a whole list for you next it's, time you're in L.A. That's like the hard thing I find about L.A. is like the, it's hard to be spontaneous if you're going out and drinking because you got you got nowhere yeah. you're going. Yeah, I yeah I would say like if you're if you're planning New Yorkers if you're planning a trip to L.A. take my advice <laughs> uh, just st- just stay downtown Echo Park or Highland Park and you won't have to drive anywhere. Sick. Sorry got my night planned. Guess what, Sophie? What? We have a website. Oh, I'm so excited about it. 
If you go on our website, you can sign up for our newsletter. And we're going to be in your mailbox, what do you say? Bi-weekly? Once a month? Does bi-weekly mean once every other week or two times a week? No one knows. No one knows. It's one of the greatest mysteries of the universe. That and black holes. (laughs) So go to Having a Night podcast.com sign up for our newsletter and of course listen and subscribe I don't know if this is happening in New York but in LA Middle Eastern is like crazy hot, right now like hot. that Middle Eastern pan Mediterranean so Levantine good. vibe who like doesn't want that that's how everyone wants to eat want cumin and dill yogurt, a bunch yogurt. of salads a fucking exactly. a fucking like skewer really good wine it's like, things so to good. dip and everything also like it's coursed out but it doesn't matter it's all right. left on the table the it great all goes bread, with each other the dips yeah. Yeah. everything yeah and it works really well for California that kind of breezy sunny vibe you know it's like it's the same reason that Australian disdain. stuff like everyone's like oh avocado toast California like that's Australian avocado toast is from Australia it is. so it's like that breezy like all day cafe Australian avocado toast vibe. It just works in California because it's just it's similar to Australia. Yeah, it's just it's sunny like and climate. people just want to be you know chill the fuck out eating some avocado toast. It's hot and surfing and shit. Yeah, hot surfers, not blonde here. tan guys. Oh, not here. All right, I'm ready to go to Australia. I've never been. Never been either. Me neither. But they put a beet on their burger. That's their thing. Is it? Yeah. I've never heard that. I thought yeah. a pineapple and a beet. What? Five leaves does it. Mm. Oh, I thought it was just. A I don't beet. know how much I love that, but I'll try it. I know. I mean, I hear it's one of those. I like beets. That you don't think you like it. Sure. You try it. Love a beet. God, I had, I I had Vegemite. It was fine. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I use a face mask that sm- smells really? like Vegemite, so I'm kind of like when I think about it, I'm like, well, you're like, well, I put like that on my face mask. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I think, a lot of yeast. Like, yeah, it's just yeasty. Okay. Cool. I don't know what that's doing for my skin, but hopefully something. Well, your skin looks great. You're, glo- you're glowing. I'm glowing. Healthy it glow. might be from the wine or from <laughs> the cheap version is just my putting marmite on your face. Well, now now with me bringing the wine, when other guests show up without wine, you can be like, oh. You uh, a one hundred. We uh, will. Did, oh, did you will. did you uh, happen to listen to our recent episode with Carl Hess? He uh, yes. brought wine. No, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying he brought guests. wine. I don't know. Guys, note to future guests: just bring wine because we'll drink it. That's the best thing about it's like we joke about this. Like starting the podcast, I'm like. I just got in this for free food. When people show up with booze or food, I'm like, my plan's all coming yeah, together, exactly. baby. How oh, will yeah. I eat for free as a comedian? <laughs> Pretend to be, yeah. We've gotten some great gifts, especially, you know, because we interview chefs and comedians. So, yeah. like, chefs, yeah. chefs will roll in with well, some fucking food. Chefs show the fuck up. Do comedians do. show the fuck up? Comedians have brought food uh, and booze. So, I mean, yeah, case-by-case case basis. But we've gotten some good stuff. And anytime I get free anything, I'm like, I'm oh, ha- hell I'm yeah. Man yeah, we haven't even talked about out. dinner parties. Well, we got, Fuck, I know. It's all right. It's about having a night. I and mean, you can have lots of nights out. But That's we true. did want to ask you, like, when was the last time you had people over? What would you serve? You know what's funny? Because I live in a pretty big house with four other dudes. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, so fun. So a couple of them are comics. And we used to, and we, you know, I've lived in the house for like 10 years. And we used to, when we were like in our 20s, like have big house parties. Yeah. House would get fucked up, but it was all, you know, we'd all clean the next day, whatever. But like now, you know, I'm 35. It's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I have like nice shit in the house now. Like yeah. we have nice carpets and like uh, my succulents. Please don't touch them. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I, my succulents are all in old tin seafood containers <laughs> hey, that I turned oh into God. planters. On brand, oh, Carl has. Very fun. Tinfluencer. Yeah. New, reuse, recycle. Exactly. Love it. Tinfluencer in the hills. <laughs> so <laughs> now I just like to have like. 
<laughs> I like to have a kickback, as we call them. Instead of a party, mm-hmm. you have like ten people over, or maybe even five to seven. And sure, we have a little patio, that. and I have wine, and I probably have some tin seafood out, and I have olives, and people can bring wine, but I have some wine. So it's almost like an antipasti set. Yes, it's almost, yeah. And it's Apparently usually those. like, maybe we go out after that. It's not like the main event. It's not a dinner party. But, like, I love putting out, like, a plate of bocarones and, oh. like, some piquillo peppers, you know. Uh, well, like, you also mentioned vermouth on the rocks. This is all, like, all right, the same So thing. this is another very Spanish phenomenon, which mm-hmm. I think is catching on more because the cocktail revolution has brought us all these great vermouths. And vermouth is cool again. And people realize vermouth isn't just some gross thing in their parents' liquor cabinet. It's actually, like, no. a very cool, delicious thing that's refreshing. So because all these bars have great cocktail programs now, sometimes I'll just want not a cocktail, but not a wine. And vermouth is the perfect down the middle because so it's perfect. like 20% exactly. ABV. So it's like, you know, packs a little punch more than wine, but you're not going hard liquor. Totally. And most of these bars have great vermouth now because they use it in cocktails. It's just like, give me down the rocks with a twist or with yeah. soda. Yeah. Very Spanish. It's a great wine. Growing up before dinner, my dad would give me and have himself like a punta mess on the rocks, and it's yeah. just so perfect. I mean, it's, it's a, such an excellent flavor. It's, it's like quite rarefied. Yeah, in a way. it's literally aromatized, fortifies wine. Yeah, so it's just wine yeah, with a little bit of an extra kick. And I think <laughs> you're and, and in Spain, you know, they that's like a traditional thing. Uh, whereas in, you know, in France, you would have an aperitif. But yeah. in Spain, you you circle with your friends and, and drink vermouth on the rocks before you go out and, of course, have snacks. No and drinks without snacks, no snacks without Peron. drinks. Oh, my God. Pre-Peron, well, you maybe have a... Maybe you have a Peron. Yeah, we don't know where the night's going. If you're having a night, you should be having a Peron. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I, I've i had, like, bartenders be like, oh, vermouth on the rocks. Like, no one ever orders that. And I'm like, just you wait. Yeah, Because the true. thing now, everyone's, everyone's ordering an Aperol Spritz. Aperol Spritz <laughs> is taking over America. And it took over. I think I'm not saying an Aperol spritz is bad, but well, I am saying Times is. it's an yeah. entry level spritz. I don't like. I <laughs> I prefer Aperol too sweet for me. I like very bitter things. Yes, me too. I it's like making a spritz like with something like a punzi maze oh, or something a little more bitter. But I think the more that we can get people to understand that whole lifestyle, yeah, uh, that like style of drinking. And you know, you see it more on menus, low ABV stuff, yeah, spritzy stuff, like. The Aperol, you know, it's not my favorite drink, but it's an entry level that get people into that world of appreciating Amari. But Amaro, another world where, like, uh, as with the world of natural wine, it's like you could have one and be like, wait, this tastes totally sure. fucking different. From yeah. another. They're all so... Also, like, beautiful and, bottles. Oh, my God. like, beautiful, like, kind of art deco. I don't know. Guys, just drinking gorgeous. culture is so wonderful. It's yeah. the best. You know? I mean, yeah. I, I'm endlessly... Endlessly obsessed with it because there's always something new to learn. And as I said before, it's like you learn by drinking. What's more fun than that? Learning by drinking. Before we finish, talk to me about drinking culture in Southeast Asia. What did you drink? Was it just a beer thing? Uh, Let's see. Well, I was there. I was pretty young. I just graduated school. I was, you know, I was 20, 21. you know, I, I w- I've always been wanting to go. Vietnam blew me away just in terms of its... I mean, Thailand was amazing. I can't recommend Thailand enough. This was 2006. Obviously, a lot has changed. Um, but, you know, we were in Cambodia, Laos. But when we were in Vietnam, I was just... Something about Vietnam just blew me away. Like, the food... Also, like, like Thailand, the tourist infrastructure was very well established. Everyone kind of spoke English. There's English menus. Yeah. Vietnam, like, no one... Spoke English. We didn't see very many other Americans. Yeah, so cool. They had just kind of opened the country up to increase tourism at that time. So it was like we saw other Europeans, but it was like no one spoke any English. Yeah. There was no English menus. 
Like, we just had to figure it out. But everything we got was, like, amazing. And I think it's because everyone has a garden. So it's, like, all the—they just throw herbs on everything. All the herbs are fresh. Everything's fresh right from the garden. And then it's just, like, delicious grilled meat that they're—you know, everyone's, like, outside on the sidewalk. It's, like, the sidewalk is, like, the living room, is the is the social club. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, like, great grilled meat and then, like, super fresh herbs and, like, fresh, like, noodles. You're, so like, this is the best top. fucking I thing in the world. I mean, the drinking culture there th- that we saw was, uh, it's called Be Ahoy. It's, f- it's a beer that's brewed fresh to be drank in that day. That we, without any sort of preservative. <laughs> yeah, so it would be like, and, and we actually worked Take it out. There now. It was like one <laughs> glass of Be Ahoy was like 30 cents. Or yeah. twenty yeah, yeah, cents yeah, yeah. or I mean, something. The pricing is not so. Also, the the you know the currency is called dong. Uh, we were immature young boys. <laughs> we thought that was very funny. And apparently, so we were like, "How much I. dong do you have? I have a lot of dong. We can. I got dong all day. I got dong all night." But yeah, we drank a ton of that Biahoy because you would sit in these cool little places where it's just plastic seats in the sidewalk with a keg. And you, you would just drink as much beer as you uh, wanted. Now right. I'm sure there's so much cool shit going. We were in, Hanoi was probably the best, like, food. Like, the, yeah, the yeah. energy in Hanoi was, like, it, it was amazing. And I know now that there's, like, so much cool food shit happening, probably craft cocktails, all this shit. But, yeah, I mean, when I when I was there, I was a, a young, dumb idiot making dong jokes. Just and, a yeah. young dong. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I've, I've been dying to go back to Vietnam Ugh. since 2006. So yeah. it's on the list. How do you feel about Soylent? The drink? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think I've ever it? had it. Yeah. I see it. Someone was like, Soylent makes you shit your pants. I was like, that <gasps> sounds about right. Whoa. Yeah. I get, like, if you're, like, a person on the go and you need a meal replacement, but I also love eating so much. I'm like, why would you want to replace eating? Exactly. You're out of your goddamn mind? It's the biggest deal breaker it's for us of all time. It's those people who are, like, obsessed with, um, what's the word? Not economizing, but, like, making it's everything like efficient. Those people yeah. I don't understand. Like, people are like, oh, eat, like, food's just fuel. They're the people exactly. that, like, when you're, when you're like, oh, like, what, what kind of music do you love? They're like, oh, whatever's on the radio. You're like, <laughs> no, okay, no, psycho. No culture, no, culture, no <laughs> art. He's going to murder no. me. Toe shoes and Soylent. So no uh, scares me. Right. I don't you want to part the of test. You sure Thank, did. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> this is so fun. Thank you so Thank much. You, Thank you, guys. Food.